The first Bible reading is from Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 26, and you will find this on page 1130 in the Church Bible. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Matthew chapter 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let him hear. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, he is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Let's just bow our heads for a prayer, shall we? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit, that you would help me to speak, and that you would give us all ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you're like Kirsty and I at all, but sometimes when we're watching a DVD or we're watching a, a film, a, a thriller with a bit of a plot, 
You know how it is, a new, a new character comes into the scene and we start nudging each other going, is that a baddie or a goodie? Is he a good guy or a bad guy? And Because uh, you're not quite sure at that, at that point. It's an interesting um, theological question. Um, are we good guys or are we bad guys? And last week, uh, you, you gathered from, from what Mark said earlier, that we're doing a series on Paul's letter to the Romans. And last week, Paul addressed in chapter 2 the question... Who are the bad guys? In other words, who will fall under God's judgment? Who will not be judged righteous and enter the kingdom of of heaven? And we thought about, if you think about that question, you start thinking, well, obviously, nasty people, you know, um, possibly footballers who bite others. I mentioned that last week. And, uh, um, And as I thought about that and I read Paul's letter, in last week's passage, it really convicted me because it said that you have no excuse. The moment you judge someone else, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. And what I said last week was I don't go around biting other people, but maybe I do bite them sometimes with my words or in my heart. And so I don't have a leg to stand on. And so the message of last week's um, Uh, passage from Romans was, who are the bad guys? We all are. In our own right, we all stand before God under his judgment. None of us are worthy of the kingdom of heaven. And in this week's passage, Paul answers the question, who are the goodies? An interesting thought, isn't it? Because if we're all the baddies, who are the goodies? But this is what he answers in this week's passage. And this was particularly relevant to the church in Rome that he was writing to because the church was divided into two camps, if you like, really, Jews and Gentiles, those who, had, uh, who were descended from the Israelites and those who were just everyone else, the rest of the people. And they had different worldviews and they understood how they related to God a little bit differently. And just to give us a little bit of context, um, I, I'd like to use something that I... Um, quite often used, because I think it's really helpful, which is uh, the biblical scholar Tom Wright loves to divide the, the, the whole of God's salvation history, in other words, God's dealings with the world, into five acts. And it goes like this. The first one is creation. Why did God create? Because he's a God of love who wants a love relationship with his creatures that he creates. And in particular, he wants a relationship of love with humanity, with human beings, because they're special. He's made them in his image. And when he says that he's made us in his image, I think it means that he's given us free will to choose to love or not to love. That's creation. And it was good in the beginning. But the relationship got broken because the the first human beings turned away from God. They disobeyed him and went the wrong way and broke the relationship. And so God had another plan. And his plan was a chosen people. He chose a a group of people, not because they were particularly special or extra good or anything like that, but because he needed a people that he would choose to learn to live in a right relationship with him and then become an example to the world so that all the world would come to love God. And 
He chose through Abraham's descendants. He chose the people of Israel. And he gave them a set of guidelines. Often referred to in Paul's letters as the law. But let's just say the Ten Commandments. It's a, it's, everything's really summarized by the Ten Commandments. And he said, if you live within these guidelines, we will have a wonderful relationship and, and you'll be blessed. Things will go well for you. But unfortunately, just like the first human beings, the Israelites blew it as well. They disobeyed God, they went in the wrong direction, and the Old Testament is really a long story of the occasional good times, but largely a descent into disobedience, broken relationship, and God had to have another plan. And he did, he had a master plan. And his master plan was Jesus. And why was Jesus such a master plan? Well, because God had made a promise through Abraham that he would save the world through Abraham's descendants, through his chosen people, Israel. And Jesus, in Jesus, we have the only faithful Israelite. Jesus was a Jew, of course. He was out of uh, Abraham's descendants. And God came in the person of Jesus, who lived a perfect life, a sinless life, a life of love, of compassion, of healing, of comfort, And of sacrifice. And on the cross, he sacrificed his life to take away the sin which humanity had got into, way out of its depth. That was his plan. And that those who followed Jesus, the the faithful Israelite, would form a new people, the church, who would take the good news out. That That was God's plan. And the thing is, the people in the church in Rome that Paul was writing to, the Jews, the Israelites if, um, uh, within that church, they still felt they had something special because of being Israelites, chosen people, that they were somehow the good guys, more so than those who were not Jews. And Paul sets them straight. And in our passage... So that's the context. In our passage, um, in chapter 3, Paul says in verse 19, he, he, he pulls the rug out from under their feet if they think they're good. And he says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced. Now, those who are under the law is a code, if you like, for Jewish people. Because they, the Jews were the ones who were given the law. The Israelites were given the law by Moses. So he's talking to the, to the Jews in the church. He says, those who are under the law will be silenced. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. So Paul says it doesn't wash. You're never going to stand before God as good in your own right by trying to obey the law. All the law does is to show you where you go wrong. And then he goes on in verse 21 to speak to, or at least to speak about, those who are Gentiles, who are not Jews in the church. Because he says, but now apart from the law, and again that's code for those who are not Jews, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. In other words, God's righteousness is now offered to everybody, not just the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. And finally he completely levels the playing field, just in case any of them think that they're better off than anyone else. And in verse 23 he says, 
for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And actually, that summarizes last week's talk. It summarizes the fact that we all stand before God. Baddies. We all stand before God under his judgment in our own right. We cannot work our way into the kingdom of heaven by trying to obey a set of laws. But then he flips it on his head and he answers the question, well, who is going to be the goodies? Who, who will be saved? Who will be justified? And in verse 24, Paul says, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so he says, well, actually the way to move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the way to move, to move from being a baddie to being a goodie in God's eyes is those who are justified freely by the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, it says all, all are justified freely by his grace. So does that mean everyone in the whole world is automatically justified and everyone will go to heaven, doesn't matter what you do, think, feel or say, Is that what he's saying here? All are justified. And you know, some people teach that. Some people teach that this means just everyone goes to heaven, as simple as that. But Paul qualifies that all three times. He makes it very, very clear in this passage. And he says in verse 22, he says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Because It's only Jesus that's made us right. And so we are only made right when we put our faith in Jesus. And then in verse 25, he says it again. He says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. To be received, how? By faith, he says. That's the second time he says it. In verse 26, it says, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Three times. He says, so this is how it is. As we we all stand before God under judgment, unfit for the kingdom of heaven. But in Jesus, God has made a way for us to be righteous in his sight. And he offers that to every single person on the planet. But he says the way to access it is to put our faith in Jesus, to put our trust in Jesus. And the moment we do, God makes us sons and daughters of God. We come into his family and he fills us with his Holy Spirit in order that together as the church we can go out and take the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. That's how, that's his plan. And you know, Yesterday, I had the most amazing joy of, we had the Alpha Day, and yesterday I had the most amazing joy of, uh, at a certain moment on the Alpha Day, after we'd sort of explained all this, of of standing with a group of people, in fact we, we held hands, and they prayed for Jesus to come into their life, they prayed to put their faith in Jesus no longer to rely on their own works, but to put their trust in Jesus and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was a wonderful moment. And when we do that, we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We're transferred 
from the baddies, if you like, into the goodies, um, if you like. And it was so, so special. And, you know, I don't know, I don't, there might be one or two people here this morning, I have no idea, who might be sitting there listening to me and thinking, do you know, I don't know whether I've actually taken that step, whether I've actually said, do you know, I want to put my life in Jesus' hands and come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And if you're thinking that to yourself, and you think that that's something you'd very much like to do, you can do that right now, this morning. I'm going to finish now by praying a prayer. It's the prayer that we prayed yesterday on the Alpha Day. Um, and if you'd like to pray it along with me in your heart, if, if you feel that that's, it's the right time to do that for you, then do please just pray silently in your heart along with me. And I'll just tell you before we pray it what the prayer says, because it's an important thing to know what you're going to pray before you pray it. And the prayer says a number of things. It says, sorry for all the things that we've done wrong in our lives. Sorry to God for breaking that relationship, for turning our back on him. It says thank you to Jesus for dying on the cross, for taking our place, really, coming under judgment so that we could be forgiven and set free. It says we now receive that forgiveness. The prayer says, please come into my life by your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. If that's something you'd like to do this morning, I'm going to just invite you to pray that prayer with me. Why don't we close our eyes so that those who would like to pray it with me feel free to do that. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done wrong in my life. You might want to just take a moment to let God bring a couple of things that might come to, come to mind. Please forgive me. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. I now receive that forgiveness. Please come into my heart by your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer with me this morning, you, you might want to, as it were, ink it in. And, and after the end of the service, the prayer ministry team will be over here by the, um, the prayer ministry sign there. You may want to go and ask them to pray with you. And you can just reaffirm that with them as, a, as they pray with you, if you'd like to. Or you can come and find me, um, and, and I can do that with you as well. But the wonderful message of Paul's letter is that while we stand before God completely condemned in our own right, all of us are offered his salvation through the love of Jesus on the cross. Amen.